Lefty Grove, about whom, uh, well, we could sit up here and talk for hours, is going to have the honor of tossing out the first ball here at uh, Memorial Stadium in Baltimore before Game 3 of the 1970 World Series. The uh, managers have exchanged the lineup cards at home plate with the uh, plate umpire, Mr. Tony Vincent. The discussion of ground rules is continuing. And just a moment, Mui Kuhn standing alongside Lefty Grove will hand Mr. Grove the baseball, and Lefty will toss it out there. You know, fans, Major League Baseball set a new attendance record in 1970 when 28,800,000 paid to see regular season games. This figure, by the way, does not include the championship series. It constitutes an increase of a million and a half fans over 1969. Someone you know needs USO. The GIs and the armed forces come from every community, including yours. Serving with them are Red Cross and USO. How much they do is up to you. Support them with your fair share to your United Way campaign in your community. If you don't do it, it won't get done. Well, here's a fellow who um, is sort of returning home, as it were. He uh, comes from not too far away. And I got to say this, it is my pleasure to be seated alongside NBC's Jim Simpson. Thank you, Jim McIntyre. The sun is out now. Pete Rose waiting on deck as Dave McNally warms up. And Jim, as you were giving the rundown, as I'm sure that you got it from your Cincinnati uh, friends, about the fair fastball of Dave McNally. This has been said for some time, but it is also said by the likes of someone like Ted Williams that McNally's fastball is much faster than what most scouts figure and what most hitters figure. He is very fast, although he is known as a breaking ball control artist. Now, McNally, a left-hander, also has over his shoulder and over the fence 410 feet away very short evergreen trees and then some white houses on the hill beyond that. And many who bat here in Baltimore say that is a very difficult background against which to hit. Pete Rose, who hit 316 on the year, 15 home runs, 52 RBIs, switch hitter batting right-handed against the left-hander Dave McNally steps in. And as Jim told you, Pete Rose is 0 for 6 in the first two games of the World Series. He has drawn two walks and also reached in the first game when Ellie Hendricks, the catcher at that time, was charged with catcher's interference. Now defensively for Baltimore, Boo Powell will be at first base. And then around the infield, all are Golden Glovers. Davey Johnson at second base, Mark Belanger at shortstop, and Brooks Robinson, who has had a tremendous series at third base. Switch hitter Don Buford out in left field. Paul Blair in center field and Frank Robinson in right. Behind the plate is Andy Echeverra making his first start of the World Series. And as Jim told you, he has caught most of McNally's games in the majors and a great deal in the minors. And Dave McNally, who has won 24 and lost nine, is on the mound. Rose stands deep in the batter's box. Ground ball up the middle. Belanger goes for it. Under his glove, base hit on the first pitch. The statistics say 0 for 6. Jim McIntyre has just checked his scorecard and says it's 0 for 7, so that's 1 for 8 as Rose gets his first World Series hit. And that'll bring up Bobby Tolan, the left-hander, and if you've been following the Cincinnati Reds or the National League Championships or the World Series, you know that Tolan, a left-handed hitter, is murder on left-handed pitchers. He has either led or been second in hitting against left-handers since he joined Cincinnati at the start of the 1969 series. On at first base is Pete Rose, who can run. 
And of course, Tolan has great speed. A matter of fact, his cousin is the late Eddie Tolan, who won gold medals back in the 1932 Olympic Games in the 100 and 200. McNally's ready, and there's the bunt down the third baseline, rolling. Brooks is waiting to see if it'll roll foul. It's not going to roll foul. They're men at first and second on two pitches. A bunt single for Bobby Tolan that stays fair. Jim, I, that ball looked like it was trying to twist foul, and uh, Brooks Robinson, uh, seeing that he had no chance to make a play on it, I think was saying a little prayer that it would. But it stayed right inside the chop line, and it goes as a clean single. It looks like a line drive in the box score. Dave McNally on the mound, 24-game winner, now to face the right-hander, Tony Perez. One for seven in the series, but Perez, of course, has great power. McNally ready, first pitch is low, ball one. Perez had 40 home runs during the regular season, 129 RBIs, and hit 317. A very important cog in that big red machine. No score, but Rose is down at second, Tolan on at first, in the top of the first inning of the third game of the 1970 World Series. McNally is ready, throws a fastball, it's inside and low. It is 2-0. McNally's great sport, and he hasn't been pitching in some days, is his control. And they also say about Dave, if there's one man, and there are many more than one, but if there's one man in the league that has heart, has stomach, is willing to stand against all odds, it is Dave McNally, who does not beat himself. Ground ball to Brooks Robinson. He'll run to third base. Now gun the throw on the first double play. one of the tough chances that Brooks Robinson has had in the series, but still he had to reach high for the sharply hopping ball, grabbed it over his head, charged from his position about 25 feet off the back to third base, and then threw on the first. Moving into second, Bobby Tolan, and here comes Johnny Bench. 286 in the series, one home run, two RBIs, 22 years old, and Mr. Everything in the National League and in baseball. Change up on a breaking pitch, is outside ball one. So now two are out. Tolan is at second. They're pulled around. Johnson over near the back at second base, but playing very deep for Johnny Bench, who is a dead pull hitter. We saw him hit the ball to right in the series, but he's a pull hitter and lines one right to Brooks Robinson for the third out. So the Reds score no runs on two base hits. No errors and one left. At the end of one half inning, Cincinnati nothing and Baltimore coming to bat. How many potential Hall of Famers do you suppose are playing in this 1970 World Series? Judging by their performance records, there should be quite a few. But I got a nominee you haven't even thought of. His name is Andy Granatelli. No, Andy doesn't play baseball, but he's got quite a performance record all his own with STP oil treatment. On the racetrack, Andy and his racing teams have proven STP cuts heat, friction, and wear. That's because STP clings to vital engine parts, lubricates better than ordinary motor oil alone. It helps race cars and family cars run smoother, cooler, quieter, longer. And now that winter is coming on, STP can help you in another way because STP won't drain off engine parts overnight. So on cold mornings, you get the benefit of extra lubrication, which means faster starts. So put a famous name on your driving team. The first time you need oil or the next time you change oil, have your service station add STP oil treatment, and you'll run racer shock. Well, that man, Brooks Robinson, was on the scene again against the Cincinnati Reds, as he has been for the first two games. You just cannot say uh, too much 
about uh, Mr. Robinson. He is just spectacular with that glove and uh, is not doing too bad with the bat either, Jim. All right, Jim McIntyre, Tony Cloninger, make that Cloninger, is warming up. Big right-hander, and as Jim McIntyre told you, a little bit wild in the late going of the season. He is a nine-game winner. He has Lee May stationed over at first base, Tommy Helms down at second, Dave Concepcion making his first appearance in the World Series at shortstop, Tony Perez at third, Hal McRae, a rookie out in left field, Bobby Tolden in center, Pete Rose in right, Johnny Bench the catcher, Cloninger, of course, is the pitcher. And switch it is Don Buford, hitting 375 in the series, playing left field, one RBI, steps in, batting left-handed, of course, against the right-handed Cloninger. We're in the last of the first. There is no score. Cloninger ready with his first World Series pitch. It's a breaking ball. It's outside, ball one. Cincinnati in the top half of this inning. Got the first two men on. Rose singled on the first pitch. Tolan laid down a perfect front on the first pitch, but then Robinson went to work, double play, and caught a line drive. Back with the fastball, Cloninger outside. It is 2-0 to Buford. Waiting on deck in this shaken-up lineup of Earl Weaver's Baltimore Orioles, Mark Belanger. Shaken up because the catcher is Andy Echeverry, a right-hander instead of Ellie Hendricks, who drove in the winning runs on Sunday and hit a home run on Saturday, who bats left-handed. Cloninger ready, fastball outside, and it is quickly 3-0 to Don Buford. Buford has reached base more than 41% of the times he's been at bat in 1970. The birds say he's the best leadoff man they ever had. Cloninger ready and misses with a fastball. It's outside, and of course, in a World Series appearance, that is not hardly indicative that Cloninger is wild today, but rather this is the World Series. His team is down two games to none, and everybody gets those butterflies. Mark Belanger. Fielding shortstop, often used phrase, but he, like Brooks Robinson over at third and Davey Johnson at second, is a Golden Glove winner. 143, he is hitting in the series. He is one for seven. Belanger hit 218 this year, but closed with a rush to get above 200. Cloninger ready, and a fastball is right down the middle. Belanger taking all the way, now looks down to Billy Hunter, the coach at third base. It was cloudy and foggy until they said, play ball, the sun is out, it is a beautiful day. At Memorial Stadium in Baltimore. We're in the last of the first inning. There was no score. But Buford, very fast, good base runner on at first, and Lee May holding, and so now Cloninger just lobs a ball over to May to chase Buford back. And also to see whether or not Buford was leaning the wrong way with any intention of going. Now he throws harder over there. The ball is low and in the dirt, picked out by May, and it's still a one-strike count to the waiting Mark Belanger. They're playing Belanger pulled around to the right and very shallow. Cloninger now ready, fastball, it is hit to right field, and in comes Pete Rose. Glasses down, one hands it, Buford drops back to first, one out in the last of the first. Jim, I noticed Rose then uh, keeping his eye on Belanger. He was in position in shallow right field. Uh, he could have let that ball drop and thrown to second for a force, and had Belanger not been close to first base, the Reds might have tried for a double play. And on artificial turf, which you have in Cincinnati, Jim, that might have been a very possible or probable play, but on the turf out here, which is grass and gutted by the fact that they play football here, it might not have been the play to make. Here is Boog Powell, and you did not hear booing. It is Baltimore's greeting to him, Boog, just like you used to hear from Moose Scourn of the New York Yankees. Left-hander, lots of power, takes inside with a breaking pitch, dug out of the dirt by Johnny Bench. It's ball one to Powell, hitting at 500. 
four RBIs for Boob, and he has walked three times. Ten runs have been scored by Baltimore, four in the first game, six in the second, and this gentleman drove in four of them. Buford on at first, one out, no score. Honiger working from a stretch, throws a fastball in on Powell, and it's 2-0. According to the book that the Cincinnati Reds have on Boog Powell, that is the place to pitch him, inside, jam him. Don't let his bat get out over the plate, because if it does, it's gone. Now, Powell's first home run in Cincinnati was to the opposite field, to left, and the second was about 430 feet straightaway center. He pulled, pulled, neither one, but has power to go to all fields. 2-0 count, Buford going off at first base. Breaking pitch, and it catches the outside corner. Two balls, one strike. Loniger used to be very fast. Now, like so many veterans, he pitches with head. He pitches two spots. And he changes his rate of delivery, speed, very often. But still does have a fastball. Two balls, one strike to Boob Powell, who waits. Back with a fastball, in on the hands, and popped down the third baseline. Johnny Bench is there and has it. In foul territory for the second out. Buford, of course, holding on at first base. Jim, that's the key to getting Boog Powell out. And the Reds feel they got to get him to swing with a little end of the bat. If he gets the big end on it, look out. Well, here is Frank Robinson, who played all those years with the Cincinnati Reds, traded away to Baltimore in 1966, immediately won the Triple Crown, and was voted the most valuable player. And, of course, hit a home run to win one of those ball games that Baltimore took, and they took four in a row from Los Angeles. But in this World Series, Frank is 0 for 9. In the fifth inning on Sunday, he sent Pete Rose very deep to the wall in right field, but he is still 0 for 9. Waits, does not go for the breaking pitch outside. Started to offer, it's ball one. 1966, Baltimore won two World Series games here, both by the score of one to nothing. Last year, they won the Open over the Mets four to one and lost the second game one to two. So in four series games, Baltimore's won three, scored seven times. Their opponents have scored only three times. Boniger ready, fastball fouled upstairs off to the right. It's one and one to Frank Robinson. And as we told you, Baltimore is now working on a nine-game winning streak here at Memorial Stadium. That includes the playoffs. And they've won 15 of the last 16 here at home. Two out, last of the first, no score. Cincinnati had two base runners in the first inning, but couldn't move them around the first two. Don Buford walked to lead off the Baltimore first, but Belanger's fly to right, and Powell jammed badly, fouled out to bench. Another little off throw to Buford at first base. Luke Powell, while he was up there, and Johnny Bench, while he was up there, we were thinking they'll publish that most valuable player voting sometime. There goes Buford on the hit and run, and Robinson has his first base hit to right field. Buford digging for third base. Runners at first and third with two out, and Paul Blair, the batter. Robinson is perfect with that hit and run. Uh, the pitch looked like a high slider. Uh, it was a little bit outside, right where he could punch it into right field. And Executed perfectly, hit and run. Runners first and third, two out. Here's Jeff. Paul Blair hitting a 331. A fine outfielder who plays center field probably more shallow than anybody else. And the funny thing was that in Sunday's game, if it can be funny to make an error, Mark Belanger made an error that opened the way for three unearned runs in the first inning. In that same inning, Paul Blair made an error. Now going to the ninth inning with a score of six to five, Belanger made a remarkable play on the first man at bat to throw him out. 
And Blair, of course, caught Jimmy Stewart's long drive as he banged to the wall in dead center field. So they both redeemed themselves. Buford at third, Robinson at first, two out, scoreless game, last of the first. Blair ready for Conniger, who has talked things over with Johnny Bench. Pitching from the stretch, comes in with a fastball. It's high to Blair, and it's ball one. Jim, I have to think the conference between Conniger and Bench had to do with Blair and a possibility he might try to lay a bunt down. He's got great speed. And he's got Perez in on the edge of the grass. See, that seems funny after two games in Cincinnati saying grass after that artificial <laughs> turf, which is everywhere. Conniger ready again. Want to know the counts to Blair? Breaking pitch, and he's got him with a good slider swinging. It's one and one. One ball, one strike to Blair. Paul had a good year, despite the fact he was out for some time after being bean. Six weeks, hit 267, but 18 home runs, and he led the team in stolen bases with 24. And he is an excellent bunter, as well as having a lot of power. Donninger gets the sign from Bench. Into the stretch, Perez again and on the edge of the grass, comes back with a fastball that's high, kicks around at the mound. It's two balls, one strike. Speaking of that most valuable player, I'm sure that you know that in the voting for the MVP award, now Bench steps out off the plate for a moment, that all votes must be in at the end of the season, before the league championships begin, before the World Series begin. So no matter what happens here, the MVP votes have already gone in. Of course, there is a most valuable player award, for the World Series, one a year ago by the Mets, Don Clendenin. He balls one strike, Cloninger taking his time at the mound, in the stretch, ready to throw to Blair. High and inside, snap throw to first base, and with a diving slide back to the bag, Frank Robinson makes it back. Johnny Bench impressed everybody, while well, he's been pressing everybody all year, but in the first game, when he threw around, the left-handed batter, Boog Powell, who was a mountain, at about 6'4", 250 or more pounds, on a snap throw that nearly got a Baltimore runner off first base. Three balls, one strike. Let's see if Blair is swinging on the three and one pitch. Buford down the line from third. Robinson not too big a lead off at first. Now he fakes going and the fastball is fouled back to the screen at three and two and with two out. Now Buford will be charging from third and Robinson will be on his way to second with the pitch. So Cloninger steps off the mound in the sunlight of Memorial Stadium and rubs up a new baseball. Tony Benson of the National League is calling balls and strikes behind the plate. That means that there's going to be more low strikes called today and fewer up around the letters than if an American League umpire were behind the plate. National League umpires get on that inside shoulder. Conniger ready with a 3-2 pitch. Foul back to the screen. Robinson was all the way down to second base. And of course, Buford not charging that fast, seeing what is going to develop before he started home. But Robinson has got to get to second base to avoid the fourth. No score last to the first inning. Third game of the World Series. First two games won by Baltimore by scores of four to three and six to five at Cincinnati. Now the Reds are in Baltimore trying to come back. Three balls, two strikes. There goes Robinson again. High ball four. The bases are loaded with Brooks Robinson coming to bat. Robinson, who turned in two fine plays, a double play starter and a line drive ender of the first inning in this ball game, and of course has been the fielding star of the series thus far, is hitting 250, and his home run won the first World Series game 4-3. to three. 
He has two RBI. And Brooks, a clutch hitter, if there ever was one in the American League, is up with the bases loaded. And two out. Robinson got his 2,000th hit this year, and appropriately enough, it was a home run. Kroniker is ready with the bases loaded. Strike up around the letter. Wayne Granger is up and throwing in the Cincinnati bullpen out in right field. Sparky Anderson said, I'm playing this one like there's no tomorrow. I'll pull a pitch in the first inning if I have to. I'll pinch hit in the first inning if I have to. I've got to win today. Strike one to Brooks Robinson. Fastball up around the letters. Conninger looks over Buford at third base. Ready to throw. Throws again. Very high this time. Bench reaches up. Hauls it in. It's one ball, one strike. Buford started off with a walk. Belanger flied to right. Boog Powell was jammed and fouled out to Johnny Bench. And then on the hit and run, Robinson laced a line drive single right field. Buford raced over to third base. And on a 3-2 count, Paul Blair walked to load the bases in this scoreless game. Conninger looking in to Johnny Bench. All the runners edging off. Cloninger ready to throw. Drive out into the alley in left center field. It'll drop between them. Picked up by Colin. One run scores. Two runs scores. The run. The ball comes into Tony Perez. It is two to nothing on a double by Brooks Robinson. And what a series he is having. who walked, score. Frank Robinson, who got his first series hit of this series, score. Over to third goes the swift Paul Blair, and Brooks Robinson has a double with Davey Johnson, the batter. Well, what else can Brooks Robinson do? They've hit the ball to him twice. He accounted, started at least, plays that accounted for all three outs in the top half of this inning, and with the bases loaded and two out, he has doubled in the only two runs of the ball game. Breaking pitch from Kloniker is inside and high to Davey Johnson. Johnson hitting 3.33 in this World Series. Baltimore again with runners, of course, both men in scoring position with Blair at third and Brooks Robinson down at second. 2 nothing to score, last of the first inning. Loniger ready again. Ball is hit high in the air. Backing up is Dave Concepcio. Now in is Tolan. Over is Hal McRae. Tolan makes the catch for the third out. The two-run score on two hits. There are no errors and two men left. At the end of one complete inning in this third game of the World Series, Baltimore, two, Cincinnati, nothing. The following is dedicated to all you folks out there who have corrected Winston's grammar. What do you want? Good grammar or good taste? What do you want? Good grammar or good taste? Pardon my grammar, but... Winston may not say it right, but they sure know how to make it right. Hello, I'm Linda Roser. As you probably know, I'm married to Leo Roser, a baseball fan. And another famous name you'll recognize is Adorn Hairspray. I even carry Adorn with me to the ballpark. It's the only hairspray I've found that holds any hairstyle in place no matter how hard the infield wind blows, yet hold softly, naturally. Self-styling adorned, famous for hold. Try it. Back at Baltimore's Memorial Stadium, Jim Simpson with Jim McIntyre. And as Lee May comes up, we'll advise you that with us in the broadcast booth is the man that's with me all year long in NBC Baseball, former pitching grade of the Dodgers, Sandy Kopak. Lee May has been the man for 
Cincinnati hitting 375. It's the first ball, pulls it foul past the coach Alex Ramos at third base. Ted Kozuski is the coach over at first. Now the eight runs that Cincinnati has scored thus far, Lee May has driven in four of them. Abe McNally now working with a 2-0 lead. Left-hander, the right-hander, Lee May, who has great power. They play him around to the right and very deep. Breaking ball is in under the hands, inside, and it's ball one. One and one. This is the first time in the series that Baltimore has scored first to take the lead. McNally ready again and throws clean strike by May. It is one ball, two strikes. One ball, two strikes to Lee May, 2-0 the score. This is the third game of the World Series. Baltimore won the first two. They're now opening at home. McNally ready back again. Good pitch, and he's called out on strike right at the knees. And Danny Kovac, as the man who likes good pitching, that was quite a pitch. Yes, it was, Jim. Uh, it's interesting. Both pitchers uh, had their trouble in the first inning, which many pitchers do. A fellow like McNally uh, sometimes may not have his best control when the ball game starts. We'll get it later. And uh, the way he got out of the first inning with Brooks Robinson making the good play on the double play, and he, he gave up no runs. Now here he's in the second inning, and he's, his control looks fine now. So you might see a great ball game from Dave today. Al McRae, the batter, hitting at 500, two for four, and swings at the first pitch, foul tips at strike one. Now on the basis, Sandy, of what we have seen thus far in the World Series, as McNally steers in for his sign, other things can happen in the series, but right now when you look at MVPs for the series, Mr. Robinson is right there. Change of pace is outside. Definitely, Jim. He's looked great. He's made every play. He made an error the first day, but I think he's not only made that up, he's more than made up for that. He's swung the bat. He's gotten the big base hit. Fastball is outside from McNally. It's 2-1. And, one. and uh, even here, this last inning, the top of the first, the bottom of the first inning, he came up with the bases loaded. He didn't hit the ball hard. Cloninger hit him on the fist a little bit, but the ball is in there, and uh, when you're going good, everything seems to just fall in for you. Little handle hit, racing out as Belanger, and it drops between him and the center fielder Blair, and that's the third hit of the ball game, as Hal McRae gets his third hit in five trips to the plate. Tommy Helms, who's one for eight, hitting 125, a right-handed batter, steps in. Helms, of course, had a career average of 281 before this year, but only hit 231 during the regular season. Has one hit in eight tries. On deck is Dave Concepcion, two to nothing the score. McNally with his move goes to first base, and McRae, who has speed, is right there. Sandy, you made a point on the pregame show, which I heard on television, that the Orioles in the first two games, scored runs the tough way. They were down three to nothing and four to nothing. Here's McNally's pitch grounded foul to the left. And that the easy way to score them is the first time any run is scored in the ball game. For the first time, Baltimore has broken on top. Very definitely, Jim. Uh, runs are tougher to get when you're behind in a game. Uh, it's a lot easier to score when you're either tied or ahead. And in a series like this, especially the situation Cincinnati's in, they really cannot afford to gamble. They can't afford to throw away too many chances. Uh, Tommy Helms is a great handler of the bat, a good hit and run man, but it's a little tough to start the runner in this situation. McNally's next pitch catches the outside corner. It is strike two to Helms. McRae at first, one out. McNally staring in. Bill Williams, National League umpire, is in on the grass at second in case there's a play there. Staring in, breaking pitch that he misses with outside. And uh, Etchebaron goes out to talk to Dave McNally. Sandy, before you get away, a word from you as a pitcher about Dave McNally and about Tony Cloninger. Well, I think uh, McNally's 
best pitch is probably his fastball. You get a reputation for being a breaking ball pitcher, but I think uh, Dave throws a lot harder than most people give him credit for. And the fact that he throws it in good spots makes it look a lot quicker than it really is. Uh, a good fastball in a good spot is a tough pitch. Ground ball to Robinson. It's that fair territory at third. He waited for a moment and then threw him out, waiting to see if the ball would go foul. And then when he saw, and it's instinct, obviously, at the last moment, it would not go foul, as Bobby Tolan's bunt would not roll foul. He picked it up and threw out Tommy Helms. And Brooks Robinson does it again, Sandy. Jim, uh, he just looked great. I don't think you can say enough for Brooks. Uh, he's got the best instincts or best reflexes I think I've ever seen of any infielder, maybe of any ball player. Uh, you see him miss a ball, it never hits the ground again. It bounces off his glove, and he seems to catch it again in midair. He's incredible. Dave Concepcion, first time up in a World Series. He's a rookie, hits the first pitch, and fouls it out of play. And Sandy, uh, now a word about the Cincinnati pitcher, Tony Kloniker. Well, Tony uh, has been a National League pitcher and fine pitcher for many years. Uh, in 1965, he won, uh, I think, about 24, 25 ball games in the National League. And had a great fastball. He's had a history now of arm trouble. Some days he has good stuff, some he doesn't. Line drive. Right field. Big hop. Robinson is up with it. Here comes the throw home as the runner is coming home. Mr. Barron lets it go through him. And down the second base goes Concepcion. And it is two to one. And Cincinnati comes back. Jim, I think that was a real big play. Uh, if Echebarren catches that ball, I, I believe he's going to have McCray out at the plate. It was a good throw from Frank Robinson. I think Echebarren may have taken his eye off the ball too quickly. The ball was there in plenty of time, and uh, it's just a case of the ball getting away from the catcher. And it's a big run. If you throw McCray out there, the inning's over without a run scoring, and it's a big difference. Now as it is, you've got another man in scoring position and an, uh, one run in, so it's only a two-to-one ball game. Two to one ball game. That run is, of course, unearned. Here is Tony Kloniker. And a pretty good hitter. Two home runs this year. Takes a breaking pitch in on him. Too far inside and low. It is ball one. And now that he's at bat, and I've said he's a good hitter, again about Kloniker as a pitcher. Well, uh, he still at times has the good fastball. Uh, he needs a little bit better control. He has good stuff. And he said he's a good hitter. I remember a few years ago, he hit two grand slam home runs in one ball game. Takes a big cut at this pitch, and it's a strike. One and one to Kloniker. Down at second base as Dave Concepcion after the line drive single to right. Frank Robinson made a dandy play. Had to reach way high in the air to take the high hop that it took and then threw a strike to Echebarren and went right past Andy. And uh, sliding in with the run was Hal McRae. McNally back and strike two swinging to Kloniker. Baltimore got two runs in their half of the first. This is the top of the second. Lee May was called out on strikes. McRae singled. Tommy Helms is thrown out on a fine play by Brooks Robinson, and Concepcion singled, and here by Echebarren allowed the run to score. Hit to the opposite field, and foul. One ball, two strikes. And Sandy, before you get away, any other observations, because we've been in this broadcast booth, and you have not been with us this time, about this series thus far? Well, I think uh, I have to say a word about the two managers. Uh, Earl Weaver has been great he's made all the right moves and Sparky Anderson has shown me as as much class as a losing manager he's just been great in losing Boniger is thrown out on third call strike right at the knees and Sandy Koufax thanks so much for being with us in the top of the second inning 
Cincinnati gets one run on two hits. There was one important error and one man left. We go to the last of the second. Baltimore's lead now, a slim one, two to one. You know, I've known and talked to a lot of great ball players over the years. There's one thing they all seem to have in common, tenacity. Yes, sir, they all know how to hang in there when they go and get stuff. Well, here's something else that literally hangs in there, STP oil treatment. STP actually cleans the vital engine parts, lubricates better than motor oil alone. With winter on deck, that could be very important to you. You see, ordinary motor oil drains off vital engine parts when your car sits overnight, so on cold mornings, it's mostly metal against metal in your engine, which really makes it tough on your engine and battery. But STP stays up on engine parts all night, so in the morning, you've got all the extra lubrication you need to help you start fast. And then STP goes to work to keep you running smoother, quieter, longer. So next time you fill up, have your local service station add STP oil treatment to your car. It's the same racer's edge leading race drivers and millions and millions of motorists depend on. So use it yourself soon. It'll help you get the edge on winter. Jim Andy Etchebaron steps in to lead off the second inning. Dave McNally to follow, and then back to the top of the batting order in Don Buford. Etchebaron gets a hand as he comes to the plate, as the Baltimore fans realize that Andy probably feels worse than they do about the error at home that cut the lead from 2 to nothing to 2 to 1. Etchebaron has pretty good power, four home runs during the regular season. Swings on the first pitch, Perez comes off third base in front of the shortstop, sidearms the throw to first base, and Etchebaron is out on one pitch. And that'll bring up Dave McNally. McNally, who has 40 starts on the year, 16 complete games, and 24 victories, has a batter, 133. One home run and six RBIs. And the hand, of course, is for Dave, the left-hander. Aside from the fact that he is one of three men who this year in the American League won 24 ball games, McNally is different. He's the only man born in Montana playing in the major leagues. First pitch from Gloniger is a strike at the knees. Called to Dave McNally. Don Buford waits on deck. Temperature at game time was 68, but it's muggy in Cloninger's jersey is wet. Breaking pitch, McNally swings at it, but misses. It's strike two. Jim, it could be 40 degrees and Tony be sweating. <laughs> Gloniger staring in. The two-strike pitch to McNally is a breaking pitch, but it's too low. And it's one ball, two strikes to Dave McNally. He goes through about three shirts a game, Jim. McNally, a left-handed thrower, a right-handed hitter. Cloninger's back with a fastball, and he's called out on strikes, and McNally simply turns and walks away. That's the first strikeout for Tony Cloninger. And here is John Buford, who started the Baltimore first by drawing a walk and later scored on the two-run double of Brooks Robinson. Buford, product of Southern California, where he was quite a football player. As a matter of fact, as fast as Don is, the word is he would be faster had he not run into a fellow by the name of Nick Petrosanti of Notre Dame. Low and inside, the first pitch from Kloniker. Ball one to Buford. And that gave Don that run in with Petrosani a bum knee, which he's since straightened out and is still very quick. He was a defensive halfback, they tell me, at USC. Another pitch, swing and a miss, and a big swing by Buford. And it's one and one.
Well, all that talk about Ken Burkhart, who today is working the left field line in the first game of the World Series, was kind of put down by manager Sparky Anderson of Cincinnati, who says that Burkhart had not been in the baselines. Carbo would have been out by six to eight feet. Low pitch from Kloniker. It is two and one. And with that classy statement by, as Sandy Koufax said, a gentleman with class, Sparky Anderson, the incident is almost never discussed. Two balls, one strike. Two out. We're in the last of the second. Cincinnati leads. Or rather, Baltimore leads Cincinnati. Two to one. Long drive, but very high. Chasing Rose back near the warning track in right field. Now steps in as it was very high and is caught for the third out. No runs, hits or errors, and none left. At the end of two complete. Baltimore leads Cincinnati. Two to one. Hey, bud. If you want to get in on a terrific deal, listen to this. You know the Gillette Technatic Razor, the razor that gets the nubs? Well, here's the deal. Right now, when you buy the Gillette Technatic Razor, America's top-selling razor, you get a can of Gillette Foamy Shave Cream with lemon lime, free. You get that? Foamy with lemon lime, free. So what are you waiting for? Get the Gillette Technatic Razor now. A deal like this don't last forever. It's true. The Retail Clerks Union helps its more than 600,000 members obtain good wages and good working, uh, working conditions. The heart of the union concept is that an organized group of people is more effective than one person striving for the same purpose. That principle of democracy in action applies to our government, with a significant manifestation brings the right to vote. So vote on Election Day. This message from the Retail Store Employees Union in your community chartered by the Retail Clerks International Association, Washington, D.C., 2006. Pete Rose steps in against Dave McNally. Rose single on the first pitch for his first base hit of the series back in the first inning, later erased on a double play, forced at third. Swings on the first pitch this time and misses. It's strike one. Cincinnati's run came in the last inning, the second, and was unearned as Echeverin let a throw, perfect throw, from Frank Robinson get by. And the gray slid in with the first run for Cincinnati. Change-up pitch with the breaking ball is off the corner outside. To Rose, it is one ball, one strike. Rose scored 120 runs during the regular season. Quite a leadoff man is as Baltimore's Don Buford. Back with the fastball. It's low, and it's 2-1 to Rose. Interesting thing, Jim McIntyre, while Sandy Koufax was here talking, he said the same thing that Ted Williams and others have pointed out. They don't give McNally enough credit for that fastball. Here's one line right there. Well, we told you there are three Golden Glovers in that infield of Baltimore's, and Johnson is one of them, and that's his finest play of the series. Leaping backhanded grab, he went through his knees after he caught the line drive off the bat of Pete Rose. Here is Bobby Tolan, who bunted his way on back in the first inning. McNally ready and throws low and away to Tolan. Ball one. Crowd still buzzing here at Baltimore's Memorial Stadium on the play by Davy Johnson at second base. McNally, a fast worker, is at the knees with his fastball. It's a strike, one and one. McNally. Cuellar and Jim Palmer, I have learned from this series, are all extremely fast workers. One ball, one strike, pitches fouled off, one and two. Whereas Tommy Phoebus, who got credit for winning 
the second game is the man of the Baltimore staff who is a very slow and methodical worker. But the 320 game winners get that baseball and fired right back soon as they have the sun. One ball, two strikes to Tolan. McNally's ready. Changes on a breaking pitch, and Tolan got out in front of it and laced it foul by Boo Powell at first base. But it's still one and two. One man out, top of the third. Baltimore two, Cincinnati one. Third game of the series. Game four here tomorrow, if necessary. Game five here on Thursday. And then, if necessary, back to Cincinnati for Saturday and Sunday. McNally throws again, fouled off to the left, over the Baltimore dugout, and into the seats. Still one and two. Tolan has had two great years since coming over. The Granger that played for Vader Pinson with St. Louis. Hit over 300 both years. McNally ready again, throws, and just misses outside. Dave doesn't think so. Fastball just off the plate. It's two and two. On deck is Tony Perez. McNally ready with a 2-2. Inside on one hop to Johnson going forth for sidearms at the blue foul and the two out. Brings up Tony Perez. We'd like to say hello again to those of you who are listening on American Forces Radio throughout the world, wherever you are, Vietnam, Korea, Japan, Europe, the Caribbean, and for those on the United States ships at sea. Carried through American Forces Radio. Perez ready. McNally ready. Throws a breaking pitch that stays way outside, nowhere near the plate, ball one. And the gentlemen over at the Armed Forces, American Forces Radio Service in Washington tell us their listening audience is estimated at more than 45 million people. Good pitch at the knees from McNally to Perez. It's one ball, one strike. Perez, last time up, hit a shock grounder down to Brooks Robinson, who started a double play by running to the bag and then throwing on, forcing a man. Fastball is high and tight on Perez. Two balls, one strike. Cincinnati, with a man like Perez, can tie this two-to-one ball game up in a hurry. Tony with great power, not having a good series, and high and away. Dave McNally's pitch, it's three balls and one strike. Perez did not even look down to Alex Gramas, and Gramas, like many sane coaches, plays a full hitter like Perez, who's a right-hander, well out of that coaching box and down the line, looking out for those sharply pulled line drives into foul territory. Now three and one, let's see if McNally gives him a curveball or a fastball, it is low, and Perez draws the walk. That's the first walk given up by Dave McNally. And that brings up Johnny Bench, who lined right to Brooks Robinson to end the first inning. Bench has a home run. Johnny is only 22 years old, and let me tell you something, the Babe Ruth, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Ernie Banks, Lou Gehrig, Mickey Mantle, Jimmy Fox, Harmon Killebrew never had hit as many home runs in their career at the age of 22 as Johnny Bench has. Fastball high in the air, may make the seats. Powell has the glasses down over near the dugout. Now has plenty of room and grabs it for the third out. A run, hit through errors, one left. We go to the last of the third inning with Baltimore leading Cincinnati 2-1. to one. Something new, like the limit. 
Small enough to handle, but it's big enough for you. Here comes Dusty, coming through. There are lots of other small cars that you pass along the way. Dusty makes a difference, seems like night and day. I'm Phil and I'm Don, and together with the Everly Brothers, coming through with Chrysler Plymouth. Don't miss the new Plymouth Duster. It's the big difference in small cars. For 1971, Chrysler Plymouth offers more kinds of new cars than anyone else in the business. Why not let a Chrysler or Plymouth come through for you? We pause 30 seconds for station identification. Are they telling you to watch out? Because you can't see out. Can't see where you're going. Can't see who's coming near. If so, you know. It's time to get Anco. Anco owns your wipers, blades, and refills. They're in the bright yellow cabinets in good service stations everywhere. Anco. A-N-C-O. By Anderson. Radio 66. WNBC New York. A-N-C-O. By Anderson. Radio 66, WNBC, New York, the home of the Knicks and Rangers. Mark Belanger swings on the first pitch from Tony Kloniger, lifts it high and foul, and Lee May has it for the first out of the Baltimore third inning, and that will bring up Boo Powell. This is Jim Simpson with Jim McIntyre from Baltimore's Memorial Stadium in the third game of the World Series, and Baltimore leads it. Two games to none, and in this game, two runs to one. Powell was jammed very effectively by Kloniger back in the first inning and fouled out to Johnny Bench, who caught it on the dead run away from home plate toward the Baltimore dugout. Breaking pitch catches the outside corner. And it's strike one to Boog Powell, who has those two home runs. Now that pitch was out and away from Powell and was called a strike. Move looking to get pitched inside. He's right back, and this ball is laced, and the shift is on against him, so Concepcion in back of second base picks it up and tosses on to May at first, and they're two down. Frank Robinson, perfect hit and run execution. Back in the first inning, sending Buford from first to third with two out, and then he and Buford both scored ahead. Uh, Butch Robinson double. Tony Cloninger. Starting today's game, left-hander Jim Merritt, who won 20 for Cincinnati, apparently out of the pitching plan. Sparky Anderson, the manager of Cincinnati, because of a sore arm. Breaking pitch low and away from Frank Robinson, ball one. And as Anderson said, this, to him, is the pivotal game. They've got to win today. They're down two games to none. He will do anything he can to win. He's trailing at the moment, two to one. Cloninger back. Cloninger's been pitching strong. Deep to center field. Back goes Cullen. 410 feet away. for Cincinnati, went to Riverfront Stadium and didn't have a hit in nine tries. He came home to Baltimore's Memorial Stadium where he's been since 1966, had a perfect hit and run single and scored a run in the first and a home run here in the third. The batter's Paul Blair and he fouls the first one off strike one. Blair walked 
Back in the first inning. Jim, it must be the home cooking for Frank. I'm sure it is, Jim McIntyre. It is three to one. Baltimore, Cloninger throws inside with the fastball, and it's 2-0 to Blair. He looks down to his coach, Billy Hunter, at third base. Well, Cincinnati had leads of 3 to nothing and 4 to nothing in the first two games. Now they're down again by two, and let's see how the Reds battle back. That is Frank Robinson's fifth World Series home run. High pop foul. Johnny Bench has the mask off. Back near the screen in foul territory. It's on the screen. Frank Robinson hits a home run with Cincinnati in that 1961 World Series that was won by the New York Yankees four games to one. He hit two of them in 1966 with Baltimore, one last year against the Mets, and so this becomes his fifth World Series home run for a man who was the most valuable player in the National League and in the American League. And it was the rookie of the year over in the National League. Count to Paul Blair, one ball, two strikes, Cloninger ready and throws, and there's a drive over the head of Concepcion. One hop to McRae in left field, and Blair reaches with a base hit, and here comes Brooks Robinson. Robinson doubled in, two rounds with two outs back in the first inning. Wayne Granger again up in Floyd in the Cincinnati bullpen. Robinson also turned in some fine fielding plays again in this game at third base. Three to one to score, Baltimore, two out, last to the third. Paul Blair, who has great speed, led the team in stolen bases, walks off at first base, Lee May holding against him. The umpire over there is Bob Stewart of the American League, and now Conniger checks on Blair, tossing over to May. Robinson had one home run and two RBIs. That home run was a winning run in the first game before today, and has added two RBIs today. Breaking pitch from Conniger, down low, ball one to Brooks. Temperature at game time, nearly 70, but very humid as we said. 20% chance of rain as, again, Kloniger lost the ball over to first base. And the weatherman tells us the same thing is due for tomorrow. So no rain problems in sight. Kloniger ready. There goes Blair. Here's Bench's throw down the second base. He is out. Johnny Bench throws him out. The tag being made by Tommy Hill. And there's that Johnny Bench again. One run on Robinson's home run. Two hits, no errors, and none left. At the end of three, Baltimore three, Cincinnati one. This is Kurt Gowdy. You know, a game like this is always a thrill for me because it's a chance to watch the best baseball in the world. It's performance with a capital P, and I'm big on performance. That's why I recommend that you take your car to the performance stop, the Phillips 66 station. They've got performance products with a capital P, like Phillips Flight Fuel Premium Gasoline, the high-performance gasoline that gives you all the power you need, yet keeps your engine running clean. And Phillips Top Arctic Motor Oil with its exclusive detergent additives. And Phillips PGB Tires, the performance tires. Now take a tip from me and stop in at the performance stop, the Phillips 66 station nearest you. And when you do, just tell them that Kurt Gowdy sent you. Remember, at Phillips 66, it's performance that counts. 
Along with Jim Simpson, this is Jim McIntyre at Baltimore's Memorial Stadium, where the Orioles have three runs and four hits. The Reds have one run on one hit. The Orioles got two in the first on a walk to Buford, a two-out single by Brooks Robinson's uh, double. And they added the third run on Frank Robinson's homer in the top of the, uh, the bottom of the third. And the first pitch is fouled off by Lee May. And here again, Jim Simpson. All right, Jim. And in our World Series NBC broadcast booth, Sandy Koufax, from whom you've heard, and a fellow that was pretty good catch in his own right, Joe Garagiola, and they're both remarking about the incredible arm of Johnny Bench that just gunned down Paul Blair. McNally ready, breaking pitch is low to Lee May, and it's one and one, as we're now in the top of the fourth inning of this three to one ball game. Bench, should he win that MVP award, will be the youngest ever. He is only 22. McNally ready to throw again. The left-hander has the ball bounced to Robinson, and you know what that means in back of third base, and he throws out Lee May again. That wasn't the spectacular time to play that Brooks has pulled on Lee May, but still Lee is thinking, there's Brooks again. Yeah, there he is once more. That ball scooted just a little bit, Jim, and he had to reach down in a hurry. He's talking about uh, Garagiola, remarking about Johnny Bench. You know, a, a catcher all would have a little more respect, I think, for a catcher, don't you think? I would say so. <laughs> Here's Hal McRae, who singled and scored when a throw from the outfield got by the catcher, Etcheberrin. Fouls the first one off. Etcheberrin has his mask off, takes a couple of steps, and sees it go into the seats, off to the right for strike one. Three runs, four hits, one costly error for Baltimore. Baltimore's made all of the errors in this series. That's the fifth of the series. One run, four hits, and no errors for Cincinnati. McNally back, and the ball is pulled foul down the line. Left field line. Now he's having a good series and has been meeting the ball well. That's two strikes. Now, Brooks Robinson has made an error. He makes very few. Paul Blair has made an error, makes very few. Mark Belanger has made an error, makes very few. And yet defense is it. Now there's a time is called because a Cincinnati player, we can't see who he is because he has his jacket on, is running across right field to the gate to get into the bullpen. And now he can't get the gate open and is standing there out wondering how he gets in. <laughs> That's Jim Merritt uh, out there, Simpson. Uh, he's, well, he's been in this ballpark many times before, Jim, or with Minnesota. Now he's in. He just couldn't find the latch. <laughs> Two strikes to count to Hal McRae. McNally ready and throws outside. And I started to, as I was talking over the errors. Andy Etcheberron, the catcher, is considered the better defensive catcher than Ellie Hendricks, whom he replaced today. And yet, Etcheberron is charged with an error. That allowed the run to score. One ball, two strikes, in under the hands of McRae, and it's 2-2. Now, Merritt is still standing out there with his jacket on. As we said, he has popped something in his, right, his left arm out in San Francisco in early September. Not scheduled to see any action. This ball is pulled way deep and way foul to the left. And Jim McIntyre, McRae has given evidences of being a pull hitter. Is that so? Or yes. No? Yes, uh, Jim. He is, uh, and Hal uh, is looked upon as a pretty good hitter in the major league. The ball's two strikes. Three to one to score Baltimore. We are in the top of the fourth inning. McNally back with the pitch fastball and strikes him out. That's that good-looking fastball of Dave McNally. And McRae went fishing for it. It was on the outside corner of the plate. That's the third strikeout for McNally and the first time that a red has gone down swinging. May was called out on strike. So was Cloninger. And with two out, here is Tommy Helm. 
He had a little softball down along the third baseline. Looked like he might roll foul. Brooks Robinson decided he wouldn't. Still picked it up and jumped on in time to get him in the second inning. This pitch from McNally is way outside. It is ball one. Jim Merritt is now jacket off and throwing. Ball hit to left field. Back goes Buford. Not too far from the warning track and takes the very deep fly ball off the bat of Tommy Helm. The runs hit to as We go to the last of the fourth with the score. Baltimore three, Cincinnati one. You know, Walter Johnson had a pitch that they used to call the radio ball. They said you could hear it, but you couldn't see it. Well, if most men's hairdressings were that way, it wouldn't be so bad, but they're not. I mean, not only can you see the grease they leave on your hair, you can feel it. That's why you'll like Vitalis. It holds your hair in place without any grease. So if you want to look good naturally, don't kid yourself. Use Vitalis. That's Vitalis. It's greaseless. Well, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. McNally uh, didn't do such a bad job there, Jim. It's uh, putting him down one, two, three. Jim, uh, this message, though, first, members of the retail clerk union vote by secret ballot to approve agreements with their employers. As union members, they have a voice in determining their conditions of employment. To every adult American, the right to vote is valuable because when you cast your secret ballot, you have a voice in determining the quality of the government of your country. Be sure to vote November 3rd. This message from the Retail Store Employees Union in your community, chartered by the Retail Clerks International Association of Washington, D.C., 2006. Brooks Robinson, who is at bat, with Blair on at first base, back in the third inning, and walked back to get his glove as Blair was thrown out on a strong throw by Johnny Bench, the fine catcher of Cincinnati. Robinson doubled in the first inning. Three to one the score. Croninger, as Jim McIntyre says, points out, being the voice of the Cincinnati Reds, he knows. Tony goes through about three shirts a game, perspires a lot, and he is soaking wet right now. Ready to face the right-handed Brooks Robinson. Doubled in two runs in the first inning. First pitch, ground ball. Perez is waiting for him at third base. Plenty of time to throw out Robinson for the first out of the Baltimore fourth. Swinging on the first pitch, Davey Johnson, who has a remarkable catch to his credit. On the ball, hit off the bat of Pete Rose back in the third inning. Comes up to the Applause to the Baltimore fans who appreciate good defense. Davey fly to short center field to end the first inning, in which Baltimore got two runs. Johnson, right-handed batter, runs his hands up the bat. The breaking pitch is outside and low from Kloniker. Ball one. They play Davey just about straight away. Conninger back with a fastball that catches the outside corner, and it's strike one. One ball, one strike to Dave Johnson. Davey, a youngster who lives now in Baltimore, graduated from Trinity of Texas, breaking pitches outside with a degree in mathematics. When you go through all of this background material for baseball players, football players, it's something to see those who have their doctorate degrees in chemistry, physics, math, and here they are, also top athletes. They're quite some men. Another fastball catches the outside corner, and Johnson watches it. And it's strike two. Two balls, two strikes to Dave Johnson. One out on the Baltimore fourth, which is the last of the fourth inning. The Orioles leading the Reds, three to one. They lead the World Series two games to none. Cloninger back with another fastball. That is low, and it is three balls, two strikes. 
Baltimore has now scored 10 runs in this fifth World Series game ever to be played in this stadium. The opposition has now scored four. There's a swinging foul tip at the plate, three and two. The opposition scored four, and that one run today was unearned. Baltimore, as we said, has won its last 16 games in a row, their last nine in a row in this stadium, and they lead now three to one. Three and two to Davy Johnson. Doniger with the sign in the one and throws high and inside and Johnson draws the third walk given up by Kloniger. Brings up Andy Etcheberry who hit the first pitch and grounded to Perez to open the second inning. Etcheberry was a catcher in the 1966 World Series when these same Baltimore Orioles were considered young phenoms as they say. Davy Johnson. Andy Etcheberry, Paul Blair. One out, Johnson at first base, and Etcheberry right-handed the batter. McNally kneeling on deck with his jacket on. Groninger now checks over at first base for Davy Johnson, who can run, but doesn't that often. Groninger again in the stretch. Now a throw, breaking pitch. It's pulled foul past third base coach Billy Hunter. Now Hunter will retrieve the baseball as Tony Benson of the National League gives Kroninger a new one. One strike to Andy Etcheberry. Both teams have four hits. All of the Baltimore runs are earned. The run of Cincinnati is unearned. Extra base hits, Brooks Robinson with a double. Home run by Frank Robinson. Fastball is fouled out of play to the right by Etcheberry, and it's two strikes. Looking into the bullpen, Jim McIntyre, it looks as though there's both a left-hander and a right-hander going, and I would imagine that is still Granger throwing with merit. The bullpen is out in deep right field, and we can just see the lower part of the torsos of both pitchers. Moniker taking a lot of time now, staring in for this sign from Johnny Bench for the two-strike pitch to Andy Echeverry. Here it is, and it's low, and it's one ball, two strikes. Cloninger now yells into Bench for something, and I think he's yelling really into Tony Benson, the National League umpire, asking what's the count. The count on the board says, and Tony Benson reaffirms it, one ball, two strikes to Echeverry. Now Kloniger is ready. And throws outside. It's 2-2. Kloniger now calls time, and he's going to tie that right shoe. Lee Mays at first base. Tommy Helms at second. Dave Concepcion at short. Tony Perez at third for Cincinnati. Hal McRae in left. Bobby Tolden in center. Pete Rose in right. Bench the catcher. Kloniger the pitcher. Now ready to go. Two balls, two strikes. Outside again with the fastball. It's three and two. Well, he went three and two with Dave Johnson and walked him. Now it's three and two to Etcheberry. Etcheberry looking down to Billy Hunter. It's 309 feet down the foul lines and then falls away rather dramatically. About 380 straight away and left and right and then the 390 and 410 in center. And it's over that 410 mark that Frank Robinson hit his home run. Now a quick check at first, but Johnson 
is back in plenty of time. With the pitcher due up next and one out and Johnson able to run well, let us see whether or not Davey waits to see what this pitch is or whether he's off and running. He's off and running with one out. It's a strike three. The throw from bench is down there and he is out as Johnson overslid the bag and was tagged out, says Bill Williams of the National League. So Echeverin called strike three and he struck out into a double play. Johnson was running with one man out and the pitcher due up next. No runs, hits, or errors, and none left at the end of four. Baltimore three, Cincinnati one. This 1970 World Series marked the windup of a long tough season. These players had to stay in shape for 162 grueling regular season contests and still be up for the series. That takes great conditioning to maintain that big performance. Your car's engine has a similar problem. You expect big performance from your car mile after mile, year after year, under all kinds of conditions. That's why your engine needs the regular conditioning you now get from new, improved STP gasoline treatment. New, improved STP gas treatment cleans your spark plugs better and cleans your carburetor better. New, improved STP gas treatment actually cleans and tunes your engine as you drive. Keeps those harmful deposits of carbon from building up in the first place. So, to keep your car's engine in shape every season of the year, have your service station add new improved STP gas treatment whenever you fill up. That's new improved STP gasoline treatment. You'll feel the difference. Well, Bobby Gritch of Baltimore, who on June 28th was playing with Rochester, he is only 21 years old, had a thrill of sorts, I am sure, but he warmed up the pitcher McNally and this is the third game of the World Series. Bob has not made an appearance yet. We're in the top of the fifth inning. Dave Concepcion, Tony Kroniker, and Pete Rose do up. Concepcion hung in there in his first World Series at bat against the very tough Dave McNally and singled the right field back in the second inning. Al McRae was running from second base. Robinson, Frank, made a great play. Fine throw to Echebel who let the ball get by him. And uh, McRae scored the only run that Cincinnati had. And there's ball one to Concepcion from Dave McNally. 24-game winner. Has won 20 or more in each of the last three years. Ready to throw again. Fast ball. And this one is hit out to left field. In quickly as Buford waits and has the line drop. That ball hung up there pretty well. Jim, for Buford, it uh, looked like it was going to sink in there. And all of a sudden, it just started raising a little bit and just carried right on out to it. Here is Kroniker, who was called out on strikes to end the second inning. Tony is up there not only because he's pitching a fine ball game, but because, as we said back in the second inning, he is a good hitter. Hit 213, and any time you get a pitch over 200 mark, that's a pretty good hitting. Swings, first pitch, strike one. And Sandy Koufax, who was with us, pointed out one time playing with Atlanta, had two grand slam home runs in one ball game. The strike one pitch from McNally. Breaking pitch, and he swings and misses again. It's two strikes. Jim, his name is in the record book. He had nine runs batted in that day out Candlestick Park in San Francisco. And they play Kroniker, a pitcher, a little bit around to the left, as though he is going to pull, which is quite a compliment. Ground ball, McNally off the mound toward third base. Turns has plenty of time to throw Kroniker with the second out. That'll bring up Pete Rose, who swung on the first pitch of the first inning and singled. In the third inning, he swung on the first pitch, fouled it off, and then went on to a center line drive toward second base, and Davey Johnson made quite a backhanded play on him, falling down as he did. So Rose got his first base hit of the series in the first inning. 
And of course, for the fifth time in six years, he had more than 200 hits in the regular season. Two outs in the fifth, three to one Baltimore. Here's McNally, and again, he swings on the first pitch to Blanger at second base. The shortstop right by the bag, throws him out, and McNally's got a one, two, three inning. No runs, hits, two errors, none left. We go to the last of the fifth inning with Baltimore owning a three to one lead over Cincinnati. The drivers know. Ask them why the compacts from Chrysler Corporation are the most popular of all domestic-built compacts. Unibody construction. Close-in-bar suspension. Better handling. Slam six engine or V8. Economy and performance. Yeah. Space for people and packages. More trunk space. Conceded spare tires. Keyless door locking. Acrylic enamel finish. An easy bright shine. Smart colors to choose from. Bonded brake lighting. Many options. Torque flight automatic transmission. That's up all day. Sedans, hardtop, or coupe body styles. Cassette takes stereo systems. Chrysler Corporation Chrysler Corporation Compacts. Dart and Demon from Dodge. Valiant Duster and Scamp from Plymouth. Chrysler Corporation Extra care in engineering. Extra value. Extra worth. The drivers know because Chrysler Corporation is always on the driver's side. Giving you the kind of car you want at the price you want to pay. We pause 30 seconds for station identification. It's very easy to forget about your wiper blades if you have the hidden wipers on your car. The rubber can go dead just as quick on hidden wipers as those out on the glass. When it does, stop where you see the big yellow and cold cabinet. And let the man at the pump replace or refill your streaking wipers with fresh new and cold blades or refills. He can do it in seconds. It's a good place to buy gas, too. Radio 66, WNBC, New York, the home of Ted Brown. Jim Simpson back at Baltimore's Memorial Stadium, 3-1. to one. Baltimore leads Cincinnati, last of the fifth, is the voice of the Cincinnati Reds, Jim McIntyre. Thank you, Jim. McNally takes the breaking pitch, a call strike to lead off the last half of the fifth inning. The Orioles with three runs and four hits, the Reds with one run and four hits. McNally bats right-handed. Swing and a miss, strike two. Good high fastball. He was called out on strikes in the second inning. The top of the batting order, Don Buford is on deck. Temperature reaching into the 70s here in Baltimore. And the crowd, just about 52,000. Capacity. Now the 0-2 pitch. Breaking ball right over, calls strike three. Conninger has his third strikeout. And there's one down for Baltimore in the fifth inning. Well, he's found the charge here as Don Buford strolls up. He'll walk and score around in the first inning and fly it high to right field to Pete Rose in the second. Switch hitter batting left. Perez creeps in on the grass at third base. This is the first time the Cincinnati Reds have played on grass since uh, September 20th in Atlanta. Been a little over three weeks. First pitch to Buford. Strike called on the outside part of the plate. There are dissenters among the partisan Oriole crowd. Cloninger with three walks, three strikeouts, is um, about at his normal pace. Ball one is high. One ball, one strike. One out, nobody on. Last half of the fifth inning at Memorial Stadium in Baltimore. Third game, 1970 World Series. Cloninger works. Swung on deep right. Well hit. Rolls back. Warning back. And it is a homer. Homer for Buford. 
Crawford got all of that fastball and hit it a long way. It was in the seat above the 360 sign in deep right field. Rose went as far as he could go and just stood there and had to watch it. The second Baltimore home run of the day. First for Don Buford in the 1970 series. At the place of Belanger, looks for a high fly, shallow right. Rose comes over, calls for it, and takes it easily. And there are two down. Now the Orioles have a four to one lead. And here's Bruce Powell. Conninger has gotten Powell today on a pop uh, to the catcher and an easy ground ball to the shortstop. Wayne Granger is up and throwing again the Cincinnati bullpen. As Conninger uh, has made two mistakes with the fastball, got it up to Buford and Robinson, Frank Robinson, that is. And uh, these two guys take care of those mistakes. The shift is on for Powell. First pitch to him, ground ball sharply to first. Lee May makes the play himself and makes the out. One run on one hit, Buford home run, nobody left, and the score at the end of five now, Baltimore four, Cincinnati one. I'm a casual kind of guy, I swear. If you can't tell by my guitar, you can sure tell by my hand. You see, I don't go spoiling it with things out of bottles and tubes, or even water out of a stout. So, feeling the way I do, I never thought I'd see the day when I'd say, hey, here's something for my hair that's really a groove. Let me tell you about it. It's the thing called the dry look made by Gillette. It's dry control in an aerosol can. You comb your hair till it looks just right. Then put on the dry look, and your hair will still look dry. Oh, casually and clean. And if you watch it, a little dry control, or maybe a little more, or even more, the dry look gives it to you because there's a special three-way valve on top. You set the right degree of dry control for you. So take my advice and try the dry look. Yeah, the wet head is dead. Long live the dry look from Gillette. Hello again from Baltimore's Memorial Stadium. Jim Simpson with Jim McIntyre. As we go to the top of the sixth inning, the score is four to one. to uh, sweep up the diamond, sweep it down, keep it right. She will always go over to someone and step on their foot, the first baseman or the third baseman. And this time, she went over and took off Emmett Ashford's hat, and that drew a roar from the crowd. Well, 4-1 to one the scores. Cincinnati needs one. Here's a group that can get them. Bobby Tolan, Tony Perez, Johnny Bench, due up in the sixth inning. As Baltimore has its four runs on five hits and one error that allowed the only Cincinnati run. The Reds have four hits and no errors. Left-hander Bobby Tolan steps in as his Reds trail. Baltimore 4-1. to Again, Jim McIntyre. All right, Jim. Uh, McNally has retired seven batters in a row, and he gets his first pitch under the knees to Tolan ball one. All of the Reds' hits have been of the one-base variety, including Bobby Tolan's bunt in the first inning. McNally works to him again and got it outside. Ball two. Two balls, no strikes. Third base umpire Emmett Ashford went along with the uh, the swat uh, with the boom, and uh, the crowd loved it. Swing and a foul back out of play. Two balls, one strike to Tolan. Buford in left, Blair in center, Frank Robinson in right field. And Robinson in right is fairly deep for Tolan, who has good power despite his size. 
Brooks Robinson, uh, even with the bag at third base. Mark Melanger fairly deep at short. Goes Davey Johnson at second. Big foul near the bag at first. As Tolan fouls back another pitch. Two balls, two strikes. Andy Etchabern is behind the plate in game three for the Baltimore Orioles. And on the mound, Dave McNally, who has been some kind of pitcher. As he signed, he's 2-2 and working to Tolan. Swung on a fly ball, left field. Buford coming in, a bet to his left, and takes it one down. Eight in a row, McNally has set down. And these Baltimore pitchers seem to get better as the innings go by. Number Palmer in the first game. Uh, wiggled out of the corner, got off of the hook in the first inning, and uh, from then on, boy, he was tough. And McNally, who had his problems in the first two innings, is getting stronger. Here's Perez. High foul, back of first, and big foul coming over. But runs out of room. It's in the stand, strike one. Perez hit into the double play in the first inning, drew a base on balls in the third, the only walk given up by McNally so far. Everybody you can name in baseball here today. Chuck P, the president of the National League, finishing his first year in office. Mr. Joe Cohen of the American League. Perez bounces one foul past third base. And now with two strikes, McNally can operate a little bit. He said at the start of the broadcast, the Reds feel they have to win this one. If they don't, it's going to be tough. McNally delivers. It's a ball very high and outside. One ball, two strikes. And that's as hard as he's thrown the ball today. That pitch right there. McNally asked for and gets a new baseball from Tony Benson, the plate umpire. Jimmy, you say it's tough if they don't win today. How tough is it? No club has ever lost the first three and come back to That's win. That's right. That's right. Now the one-two. It's the ball high and inside. Two balls, two strikes. Well, the uh, big bats of Buford and uh, Frank Robinson so far uh, have been a big, big factor. Perez strikes up. He got him with an off-speed breaking pitch. Four strikeouts for McNally. Two down for the Reds in the state. And nine straight batters that uh, McNally has retired. Number five. Last man to get on base was Perez when he walked in the third. Here's Johnny Bench, none for two. Lined out to third in the first inning and fouled out to first base in the third. Takes a ball high and outside. Don Buford, second World Series homer. He had a home run his first time at bat against the New York Mets last year. Mitch takes the ball outside, just off the plate. Two balls, no strike. Dave McNally is not overpowering. He's what the players say, sneaky fast, but he has great control. He doesn't beat himself. 2-0. High pop fly, foul, back of first, and big Powell coming over and can't get it out of play. 2-1. McNally's fifth World Series starts. He uh, has a one and one record in uh, classic play. Has a 2.33 earned run average. Was the winner of the fourth and last game of the 1966 series. All right, he's uh, two and one to Johnny Bench and winding the pitch. 
Change up low. Ball two. Or ball three, Mike. And boy, I tell you, Bench really had to work to keep from taking a whack at that one. On deck is Lee May, who has hit the ball hard just about every time he's been to the plate. Four to one, Orioles lead. They have five hits, the Reds have four. Three one touch to Bench. Drilled. A In the sixth inning, three up, three down for the rest. And after five and a half innings, it's Baltimore four, Cincinnati one. Johnson in the fourth inning. 
Conninger gets his sign to go to work on Paul Blair. First pitch. Breaking ball up and in. Ball one. Baltimore four. Cincinnati one. Six innings. Conninger delivers. Fastball popped up. Foul back to the right. Bench coming over. Mask off near the stands. Can't get it out of play. One ball, one strike. pitched uh, against Pittsburgh in the third game of the championship series in the National League a week ago uh, yesterday and pitched five innings in that game. Was not the winner or the loser. He's one and one to Blair and the curve is cut on and missed strike two. One ball, two strikes. The Reds feature Hal McRae in left, Bobby Tolan in center, Pete Rose in right field. Perez at third, Concepcion at short, Helm second, May at first, bench behind the plate. Now the pitch. Swung on a hit up the middle, right by the mound, into center, a base hit. Nolan plays it back in, and Blair is on with his second hit, and the sixth for Baltimore as Brooks Robinson stepped up and looked at his crowd. And standing ovation for him. Anderson is making his way out to the mound, and uh, I have to think this is going to be all for Tony Conningham. The high sign has been given to the bullpen, and we'll get a new picture right here. We pause for 30 seconds for station identification. How many members of your family drive your car? Are your microblades doing their job, or are they speaking? Don't turn the car over to someone you love with wiper blades that will blur their vision if they're driving in bad weather. Get your blades replaced or refilled today with fresh new Anco blades or refills. Look for the bright yellow Anco cabinet in service stations everywhere. Good place to buy gas, too. Radio 66, WNBC, New York, the home of the Knicks and Rangers. With Jim McIntyre, this is Jim Simpson speaking for Baltimore. We are in the sixth inning. Tony Cloninger has departed with Blair on at first base with one out in the sixth inning. But Tony worked five in the third innings, gave up four earned runs, six hits, including Blair's just now. And of those six hits, two were home runs on, as Jim said, fastball mistakes. One to Frank Robinson in the third inning, another to Don Buford in the fifth inning. Roninger struck out three and walked a couple. Now, Wayne Granger coming in had quite a regular season for Cincinnati. He had 35 saves, exclusively a relief pitcher, never started. Fine earn run average of 2.65. If you want to look at the one loss column, he was six and five, but those 35 saves are the things that you take a look at. In the league championships against Pittsburgh, he only worked two thirds of an inning, gave up a hit, and had no run score on him. And strangely enough, and many have been talking about it, as everybody is entitled to second guess, as they say. In the World Series thus far, Wayne Granger, with those 35 saves, has not been used at all. Born in Springfield, Massachusetts, lives up in Huntington, Mass. He started uh, with the card system. This is the third year for him in the National League and the second with the Reds. And he set a major league record in 1969 last year as he appeared in 90 games. This year, he was in 67, 
And I guess when Sparky Anderson saw Brooks Robinson come up, who has done everything with the bat, won the first game with a home run and doubled in the first few runs of this game, and with the glove, Sparky decided it was time for a change. So Cloninger is gone. Granger's in there. Here's Jim McIntyre. And Brooks Robinson steps up to the plate. Runner at first, one man out. First pitch. Swung on, hit deep left, uh, down the line, in the corner, off the wall for a hit. Blair racing to third, and the throw there not in time. Going to second, Robinson, and East State Bear sliding. Dave Concepcion took the ball as it was thrown in by McGray. Turned around, took a look at third base. No chance to get Blair. Had he thrown the ball to Helms immediately, they may have been able to get Brooks Robinson. It will be scored, I'm sure, as a double. There was no error on the play, except that Concepcion held on to the ball. So Brooks Robinson greets Granger with a double off the wall and left. And Blair is at third. There's one out, runner second and third, and Davey Johnson will be the best. Again, not to uh, continue to talk about Brooks Robinson, but... One out, runner second and third, and Davey Johnson will be the best. Again, not to uh, continue to talk about Brooks Robinson, but certainly he deserves it. That is another accolade they give him, a fine base runner. They're going to put this man on base. A fine base runner, and that's when he saw the throw go toward third, he immediately stretched the single to a double. They're giving Davey Johnson an intentional walk to load up the bases with one out and get to Andy Escobar. Rangers 35 saves this season for Cincinnati. Uh, broke to the uh, existing record of 32 with the set of Jack Aker of Kansas City in 1966. But the save rule has changed uh, a little bit this year. All right, Andy Escobar coming to that. Bases loaded, one man out. And a hit here would be mighty big. Then a left-hander, Don Gullett, begins to warm up for Cincinnati as Etchebarren waits for Granger's first. It's inside, almost got him, ball one. Left-hander, Don Gullett, warms up for the Cincinnati Reds as Etchebarren, who is none for two, waits at the plate. He's down at the third, and he's been called out on strike. Granger delivers. A strike call, a good fastball. One ball, one strike. The Orioles have Blair at third, Brooks Robinson at second, Davey Johnson at first, and one man out in their half of the sixth inning, and they own a four-to-one lead. Ranger into the worst game, wind up, and a swing and a miss, strike two. One ball, two strikes. The pitcher, Dave McNally, would be next. Tomorrow's fourth game will see Gary Nolan come back for Cincinnati and Jim Palmer for Baltimore. One ball, two strikes. Granger delivers. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. So Granger strikes out Esteban. And now we get McNally. McNally bats right-handed. He's been called out on strike twice. He's had five lifetime home runs in the American League, one this year here in Baltimore. Four of his lifetime homers have been here. Hit one at Detroit. So you really can't let up against him. Granger delivers. 
They swing and they foul tip strike one. McNally hit a home run uh, in the 1969 World Series at Shea Stadium in the fifth game against Gary Kuzman with uh, one man on base at the time. Granger delivers again. Swing and a miss, strike two. So far, Echeverin and McNally have been chasing Granger's sinking fastball. That's his bread and butter pitch. And uh, this is why he's been so successful as a reliever. Batters tend to hit the ball on the ground, and he gets out of a lot of situations with a double play many times. The 0-2 pitch. Ball a little low. One ball, two strikes. Well, when Blair shot that single fast Conninger and uh, uh, Sparky Anderson decided to bring on uh, Granger, Brooks Robinson greeted him with a well-hit double off the left field wall. And now trying to get out of it. The one and two pitch, upside ball two, and he almost got it by pitch. The uh, room behind the plate for the backstop here at Memorial Stadium is, uh, well, it's not too far back there. I'm going to guess 35, 40 feet. Maybe not that much. Two balls, two strikes, three on, two out, six inning. Here's the pitch. Swing and a grounder foul, fast third. That cracked pretty good. Waiting and hoping he gets the bat this inning is Don Duford. In the top of the batting order. Baltimore now with seven hits. The Reds with four. All singles. Granger, plants his foot on the rubber, gets his signal. Blair, Brooks Robinson, and Johnson lead, and here's the pitch. Swing and a fly ball, deep left. That might be a grand slam home run. Granger whips it the first in time, and the inning is over. But Baltimore came up with four runs on three hits, left nobody on base. McNally took care of that. And at the end of six innings now, it's the Orioles, eight, and Red one. The hand you hear for Dave McNally who is walking out to take his warm-up pitches. 24-game winner, of course, Mike Cuellar, 24-game winner of Baltimore, hit a grand slammer against Minnesota in the league championship. The retail store employees' unions are well-known for their achievements on behalf of more than 600,000 members. Their union agreements with employers provide for good wages, liberal hospitalization, and retirement plans. 
They vote on urge all adult Americans to cast their secret ballot on November 3rd. This message from the Retail Store Employees Union in your community, charted by the Retail Clerks International Association, Washington, D.C., 2006. When Gillette introduced the famous Look Sharp March, nobody dreamed of the advances to come in shaving comfort. Stainless steel, super stainless, and now platinum. Today, Gillette uses a platinum alloy to smooth the edge of Gillette Platinum Plus blades. A smoother edge means smoother shave, closer with even more comfort. Learn what it feels like to shave with Gillette Press Blades. Gillette Platinum Plus, double edge or injector. Try them in your razor today. Lee May will lead off for the Reds in the seventh inning. Well, that grand slam, a home run by Dave McNally, is the 12th grand slam, the first ever by a pitcher in World Series play. May pulls the first pitch foul down the left field line, strike one. Within a 10-day span now, two grand slams have been hit by Baltimore pitchers. Mike Cuellar hit one against the Minnesota Twins in the championship series. Lee May takes an off-speed curve. It's low, and it's ball one, one ball, one strike. I'll tell you who's uh, the happiest fellow in Baltimore's Memorial Stadium right now. He's standing in the middle of a diamond out there. Out of 1-1 to Lee May. And it's ball two up high. Two balls, one strike. May is months or two, been called out on strikes and grounded to third base. Mr. Uh, David Arthur McNally will be the close to Baltimore today. Uh, here's a pitch low, ball three. Along with his third baseman, Brooks Robinson. But Mr. McNally is uh, the man of the hour right now. He's three and one to Lee May with Al McRae waiting next up. As a looping foul hit off the hand, back to the right, strike two, three and two. Eight runs on eight hits. The Orioles have made them count. Now the three and two. Ball four, low inside, walk number two off McNally. He just missed with a breaking ball. That's the first base runner the Reds have had since the third inning. And this is the seventh. There's no action at the moment in the Cincinnati Reds bullpen. Although uh, you would think possibly Granger might get up. Baltimore leads eight to one, starting the seventh with a runner at first and McRae at the plate one for two, a single. Now the pitch three. Line drive, left field, base hit. Buford over to his left, plays the ball. Lee May makes the turn, will hold it second on a throw to third. And McRae has his second World Series. Two men on, nobody out. Tommy Helms coming up. And there's some action today for the first time down in the Baltimore bullpen. Want to get some action down there. They're stirring around. The homer by Dave McNally was his second home run in the World Series play. He hit one last year. Bob Gibson is the only other pitcher with two series home runs in 67 and 68. Helms at the bounce pretty short. The Langer has it. Over to second. Out. Relay to first base. Safe. No double play. Going to third is May. As they force the uh, middle runner, Eddie Watt, a right-hander, is the pitcher in the bullpen for Baltimore. As Dave Concepcion comes to the plate, He's due to be followed by Granger. One out, runners at first and third. Eight to one, Baltimore lead. 
Pete Rickard, a left-hander, is going to join Eddie Watt, a left uh, right-hander in the bullpen for Baltimore. Here's Dave Concepcion with one for two today, a single to right field, a right-handed batter. McNally, ready, and pitching. Swing and a miss, strike one. Good changeup. Don Gullett, the left-hander, gets up again in the Cincinnati bullpen. There's nobody out in the on-deck circle as yet. The stretch, the look, and the pitch. And the ball just outside. One ball, one strike. Lee May at third. Tommy Helms at first. One man out. Eight to one, the Orioles. Seventh inning. Next pitch. High fly, right field, near the line. Robinson shades his eyes, drifts to his left, makes the catch. Lee May tags the third and comes on in to score. The throw goes to second, and it's now 8-2. to two. Well, that will bring up uh, a pinch hitter. Woody Woodward, who played the first two games at shortstop, is getting a bat to hit for Wayne Granger. Woody did not get a hit in either game and came to bat twice the first day uh, in the first game and twice on Sunday and is 0 for 4 and on the season uh, batted 223. Right-handed batter Woody Woodward will bat for Wayne Granger. Two out, a runner at first, 8 to 2 Baltimore. That's a five hits. The Orioles have eight. Here's Woodward at the plate. And McNally with his first pitch. Here it is. Got it over. Strike call. Knee high inside in. McNally sets, looks at first, and fires. Swung on, looping pop fly, shallow left. That is. Over the head of the truck stop, picked up by Buford. Elms will hold it second. And Woodward has a looping single to left field. Six hits for the Reds. For Pete Rose coming to bat. And uh, Rose has had only one hit in the series and ten times up. Watt and Rickard continue to throw in the Baltimore bullpen. Rose robbed of a hit by a stab by Dave Johnson in the third inning, a backhanded diving stab of a low-line drive. Big Ben batting right-handed. McNally with his first offering. It's a strike call, a good fastball on the outside part of the plate. I see what you mean, Jim, about this uh, fellow McNally being sneaky fast. Two on, two out, one run in. Eight to two Orioles, first half of the seventh inning. McNally delivers. Ball high and outside. Fastball, he tried to hit the same spot. Don Gullett will be the Cincinnati pitcher in the last half of the seventh. McNally ready to Pete Rose. Swung on, lined into right field for a hit. Robinson charges up with the ball. Helms will score, and the throw goes towards third, and holding it second is Woodward. And now it's eight to three, and out of the Baltimore dugout, bounces Earl Weaver. Rose gets his second hit in the series. 
And now for the Reds, seven hits. All of them have been singles. And with runners at first and third, Weaver is going to bring uh, make it Bamberger. George Bamberger is coming out and not Weaver. And he may have a hook and he may not. Let's see. The big red machine vaunted power, long ball, has not been uh, evident here today. Bamberger is going back to the dugout McNally stage, at least to fix the Bobby Tolan, who is the left-handed batter. I have a sneaking suspicion if Tolan gets on, though, we'd see Eddie Watt to work to Perez, a right-handed hitter with good power. Number 28, Bobby. 8-3. Baltimore with the lead. Red trying to put something together in the seventh inning. Two out, two on. McNally works to Bobby Tolan. A swing and a miss at a good fastball. Tolan has been the most consistent hitter the Reds have had since the 23rd day of May. He hit 316 on the year. Swings at the looping pop fly back at third base. That could be trouble. Belanger on the run grabs it for the out near the foul line. Pitches out of trouble. Two runs come across the plate for the Reds in the seventh inning on uh, three hits. Two men were left on, no Baltimore errors, and in the middle of the seventh inning, game three, 1973, it's Baltimore eight and Cincinnati three. And Jim, let's talk for a minute about power. It is power that's so important in this game of baseball. It's mighty tough for a team to win a pennant without it. Of course, power is a key factor in auto racing, too, and that's why Andy Granatelli. And the people at STP started making STP gasoline treatment. On the track, STP gas treatment helped Andy's race cars keep running at peak power and still get the best mileage possible. But now there's something better. New improved STP gas treatment. Now when you add STP gas treatment to your family car, it cleans spark plugs better and cleans your carburetor better. Actually cleans and tunes your engine as you drive. New STP gas treatment works to eliminate those power-robbing deposits of carbon that can build up in your car's engine. Sap its pep and power. Use new improved STP gas treatment in your car regularly, and you'll keep all the power you paid for. So the next time you fill up, add a can of new improved STP gas treatment. You'll feel the difference. We pause 30 seconds for station identification. I think you would show my Could be they're telling you that they've had it, that they can't do their job anymore. That you should do something about it. If so, you know. Make the best wipers, best blades, best refills you can buy. Look for them in the bright yellow cabinets, in good service stations everywhere. AMCO, A-N-C-O, by Anderson. Radio 66, WNBC New York, the home of Joe O'Brien. Back in Baltimore, Jim Simpson with Jim McIntyre, and we have a third pitcher, Don Gullett, the speedy left-hander who a year ago was just getting out of high school. Gullett will come on to pitch. Ranger, who worked two-thirds of an inning, gave up three runs as four scored on Dave McNally's Grand Slam home run, the first ever by a pitcher in World Series history. Ranger gave up two hits, struck out one, and walked one intentionally. And, of course, with the score at 4-1, to one, Dave McNally knew that the tying run as well as the winning run someday could stride to the plate. But with a score of 8-1, to one, it is now 8-3. to three. As long as he keeps the five-run difference, the winning run can never come up, and that he likes. Here's Jim McIntyre. 
Young John Gullett pitched two innings of Sunday's game, uh, struck out two and walked three, did not allow a hit, and he fires the fastball to Mark Belanger for a call strike one. Gullett, the third Cincinnati pitcher, left-hander, throws the good fastball. Swings ground ball, second baseman Tommy Helms up with it, on over to first, Belanger is out, one down. Last half of the seventh inning, and here's Booth Powell. Faced Gullet uh, in the uh, ninth inning of the game Sunday in Cincinnati and uh, threw a base on ball. Today, Powell is 0 for 3. That's 3 for 6 coming into the contest today, including two homers. They shift on him, and here's the first pitch. That's the ball low. On the season, Gullet appeared in 44 games for the Reds, started two of them. One five, lost two, posted a 242 earned run average. Powell waits, Gullet fires. A strike call, a good fastball. The fellow who took a look at that pitch and said, ooh, was one of the guys who could throw it as hard as anybody, Sandy Koufax. One and one to Powell as Gullet delivers. Ball two is high. That was the fastball up. Walter Alston compared Gullet favorably to the gentleman sitting over here to my left in his early days with his speed and fastball. His ball three is high outside to book foul, and it's three and one. on the red shortstop is in shallow center field behind second base. Well, it throws, Powell uh, takes the ball low inside and walks. The fifth, Baltimore batter to get a walk here today. And brings up Frank Robinson. And he's had a pretty good day today. Single and scored, hit a home run and fly to center field. So he's two for three, getting his first 1970 World Series hit in his home ballpark. Well, the Reds infield will be hoping for a double play ball here. One out, seventh inning, Baltimore leading eight to three. The Orioles have had the long ball and the extra base hits today. Robinson is a bouncer to short, charging Kentucky. Out and the bounces over his head, down in the left field. Powell is leaning to third. Here's the throw from the great second, and Frank Robinson is out sliding in at second base. A ball that took a very high bounce and went over Concepcion's head. Luke Powell wheeled around the third base. We're going to get an argument out at second as Frank Robinson argues with Billy Williams. And uh, Weaver is coming out to pick up the cause. And we have a discussion on the out at second base. Robinson is credited with a single. That's the uh, ninth Baltimore hit. Powell doing the third on the hit. And Robinson is out trying to stretch it into a double to make way to hell. Well, the argument is over, and you know who won. Here's Paul Blair stepping in. Two for two, two singles, and a walk. Scored one. Howell at third, two men out, gullet deliver. Swing and a foul back, strike one. Dave Linhart is throwing in the bullpen. 
as they swing in a foul back right over our booth in the end of the upper deck. All and two to Blair. Brooks Robinson would be next. Baltimore leads eight to three, last half of the seventh inning. Don Gullett pitching to Blair. Swinging a smash foul past there. Two to Blair. Gullet winds, fires, swung on and foul back up on the net. Reach a little bit there. Jimmy, that a souvenir. Oh and two. Next pitch. Drilled in the left off the glove of Perez as he leaps for it down the line. Powell is in the score. Digging for second is Blair, and the throw there not in time. A double. And now the Orioles lead nine to three. Ten hits, two off Gullet. And here's Brooks Robinson, who is two for three, a couple of doubles, two runs batted in. Some fantastic plays at Sunday. All right, the stretch from the pitcher and Robinson swings and pops it up. Back of first, down the right field line. Foul, Lee May coming over near the stands and takes the throw the third out to retire the side. So the Orioles go down in the seventh. They get one run with two hits. A single and a double behind the base on ball. And have one man left. And at the end of seven innings, it's Baltimore 9, Cincinnati 3. This year they offer more kinds of new cars than anyone else in the business. So why not let Chrysler Plymouth come through for you? Chrysler Plymouth, coming through. For 1971, Chrysler Plymouth offers more kinds of new cars than anyone else in the business. Why not let a Chrysler Plymouth come through for you? Now this becomes a big inning for Dave McNally, who has a 9-3 lead. This is the eighth inning with the power coming up. Tony Perez, Johnny Bench, and Lee May. If he can get past this inning without problem, the ninth in the ball of the game becomes a lot easier. Here's Jim McIntyre. Thank you, Jim. Perez, without a hit today, none for two. Drew a base on balls in the third inning. Standing off to the left side of the plate, waiting for McNally to get ready. And, uh, McNally needs six outs. Here's his pitch. Off speed and outside, ball one. Nine to three, Baltimore. 
Perez takes again. Ball two, alone outside. Top half of the eighth. Nine to three, the Orioles. Nine runs, ten hits, and one error for Baltimore. Three runs, seven hits, no errors for Cincinnati. Perez waiting. It's a high pop-up in the infield. First baseman, Luke Powell under it, calling, and takes it. One away. And you have to think McNally is also thinking about the number of outs remaining. Johnny Bench steps in. Robbed of a hit on a terrific play by Brooks Robinson the last time up. He also caught a line drive off Spencer's bat in the first inning. He fouled out in the third. He's 0 for 3 and stands in there 2 for 10 in World Series 1970. One of those hits a home run. Takes a strike call on the outside corner. McNally ran into trouble last inning when the Reds got two runs, but he's coming back here in the eighth inning. Nice ball run just off the plate. Lee May, the on-deck batter here in the eighth inning. Bench takes a change outside. Ball two. Two balls to strike. This Baltimore ball club has impressed everybody in the American League, and I, I'm sure everybody uh, that watches them, with their tremendous balance. Bench pops up. Back of the plate foul. Coming back at Baron and cannot get it. Out of play on the screen. Two and two. The Orioles have pitching, defense, and hitting. And what else do you need? They just got it all. Put it all together. Two and two to bench. Swing and a foul out of the middle of that Tavera, and uh, and he tried to hold it, couldn't do it, and bench is alive. That Tavera took that one on the uh, left side. And he, I think he's okay. He's walking out to the mound to talk with McNally. If you uh, want to think about tomorrow, Gary Nolan. Jim Palmer will try to come back and uh, rack up his second win in the series. Nolan will try to get even. He lost the first game. Two balls, two strikes, the bench, one man out, first half of the game. Baltimore leads comfortably nine to three. Bench takes strike three call. And has something to say to Tony Benson before leaving the plate. The fifth strikeout for McNally puts two down for the Reds in the eighth and brings up Lee May. He's been caught out on strikes, ground of the third, walked and scored. Jim left the strength of Dave McNally. Johnny Bent's a dead pole hitter. Every pitch that McNally threw was through a spot just on the outside corner or just off of it, including that breaking pitch for called strike three. That's right. Lee May drills the first pitch into left field for a clean hit. If it makes the pick up and throw in and there's hit number eight for the Reds, and they have all been singles. May first on the day, and here's Al McRae. He's had two singles, two for three. Number Al McRae. Just announced the attendance, 51,773. 51773. Here's McNally with his first pitch. And McRae pulls it foul into the Baltimore dugout. Look at it. 
Ben gets uh, busy again for Baltimore. Looks like Watt and Ricketts. Uh, Leonard and Ricketts will check and see. McRae hits a little high pop-up out in shallow right field. Going out, Johnson backpedaling, gets under it and takes it to the third out, ending the Reds' eighth inning. No runs, one hit, and one man left. In the middle of the eighth inning, it's Baltimore 9 and Cincinnati 3. You remember a guy in the big league named Frank Baker? Well, he used to call him Home Run Baker. But the most home runs he ever hit was 12. That's kind of like calling the slick down look you get from most hairdressing natural. I mean, how natural can your hair look when it's all loaded down with grease? And that's why you'll like Vitalis. It holds your hair in place without any grease. So if you want to look good naturally, don't kid yourself. Use Vitalis. That's Vitalis. It's greasy. This is Kurt Gowdy. You know when a pitcher's getting everyone out, they say he has his good stuff. That's what I like about Phillips 66. At the performance stop, they've always got their good stuff. Take their premium gasoline, Phillips Flight Fuel. Not only has it got all the power you need, but its special detergent action keeps your engine running clean. Phillips Flight Fuel. Get it at the performance stop, Phillips 66. At Phillips 66, it's performance that counts. Back at Baltimore's Memorial Stadium, Jim Simpson with Jim McIntyre, last of the eighth inning, Dave Johnson, Andy Etzebaran, and Dave McNally do up. The score is, of course, nine to three Baltimore leads, and looking ahead to the ninth, McNally faces, in that lineup of the big red machine of Cincinnati, the numbers seven, eight, and nine batters. He got through Perez, Bench, May, and McRae without allowing a run. And that's the plus and sends McNally and the Orioles closer to winning their third in a row in this 1970 World Series. Here's Davey Johnson, and here's Jim McIntyre. Johnson has walked twice and flied to center field, one for one, right-handed batter. Dulles' first pitch is inside to win ball one. Cloninger went the first five and a third innings. Uh, Granger pitched two-thirds of an inning, and Dulles has worked the seventh and now in the eighth. As a high fly popped down in the short right, May Helms rose, rose, calls, and takes it coming on for the first down. One down. Andy Etcheberry, none for three. Down to the third, struck out twice, once call, one swing. You know, one of the reasons why I think uh, no team has ever lost the first three games of the World Series and then come back to win it is that uh, you, you, you feel like you've got a chance when you're down two games to none, but when you go three down, somehow the starch just goes out. There's a strike called on the inside edge of the knee. Don Gullick, who has a great future ahead of him, fires swung in a ground ball to short, Concepcion up with it, down over to May, a high throw, but it's uh, not too high for May to take down, and there's two outs. Listen to the applause for Dave McNally. Without his bat in the sixth inning, we might have a four to three ball game right now. As a strike of the knee, that's why I'll make it five to three. Now they got another run, of course, in the seventh. Nine to three, and McNally takes the call, strike at the knee. And another strike. Right over. Now it's pulling a fastball right through there. 0 and two to McNally. Two out. Bottom of the eighth. 
at Baltimore. Gullet fires, swing on in a foul back, and he's facing the two strikes. Ranger, I think, uh, got a fastball up and out over the plate, and McNally uh, didn't waste any time putting it away in the seat. Down the left field line. Got a throw and two. Ball high, changed up with it. Again, swinging a fly ball, short left, going out, Concepcion coming in, McRae, McKay still coming, makes the catch, to retire the side. Three up, three down for Baltimore in the eighth inning. So after eight innings of play, game three of the 1970 World Series, it's Baltimore nine, Cincinnati three. I came down to the trade, in the new coyotes waiting. I walk a mile for a camel. I'd walk a mile, wouldn't you? I've got a wandering soul, beat up boots with a great big hole. I'd walk a mile for a camel. This message was strictly for smokers who never tasted a camel cigarette. Camel smokers, you know what we mean. You other guys, start walking. As one of America's major trade unions, the Retail Clerks International Association brings the benefits of democracy to the place of employment of more than 600,000 store workers with good wages and good working conditions. The retail clerk unions, believing in the democratic processes of government, urge all Americans to vote on November 3rd. This message from the Retail Store Employees Union in your community, charted by the Retail Clerks International Association, Washington, D.C., 2006. We go to the top of the ninth, the seventh, eighth, and ninth batters in the order of Cincinnati, Dave McNally, working on a 9-3 lead. Dave is a control pitcher, and in a situation like this, a pitcher doesn't want to walk anybody. Let them hit the ball if they can. He's got a six-run ball. So Mr. McNally goes to work, hoping he can bring Baltimore its third win in the third game of the World Series. Jim? Tommy Helms, none for three, takes a strike call on the outside edge. McNally has just been great out there today. The only hits off him have been single, eight of them. Delivers to Tommy Helms. A swing and a foul back to strike two. Got the pitch up, and uh, Helms took a whack at it and fouled it straight back. Davey Concepcion will back next, and then the Reds will send up the pitcher. Reds were tough on left-handers this season. They were 33 and 12 against southpaw pitching. Helms hits one to shallow center. Coming on is Blair. Can't get it. It drops in for a hit. And uh, the Reds now have nine singles off McNally. That'll bring up Davy Concepcion, who has batted in two of the three Cincinnati runs today. One with a single in the second inning, one with a fly ball in the seventh. He's one for two officially. Was a 260 hitter on the season, right-handed batter. And Ty Klein, who is a left-handed batter, is going to come up and hit for the pitcher. He's uh, out in the on-deck circle. The stretch and the pitch. And a swing and a line drive, right field. Robinson coming on, takes it down on his knees. And they out, and Helms hurries back to first. Concepcion lines to Frank Robinson in right field. That'll bring up Ty Klein with one out and one on. And Jim, I can't help but remember Klein got the triple in the scoreless game, the 10th inning of the first game between Pittsburgh and Cincinnati in the league championship. 
then walked and scored the first time he appeared in the World Series. Then he was the man that was involved in that famous Ken Burkhart umpire call in that first game of the World Series, and he is also single. So I, let's say, two appearances in the league championship and two in the World Series, and he has been on or involved in something big every time. That's right, and until Woody Woodward got the single as a pinch batter in the seventh, Ty was the only pinch hitter to come through for the rest. Bats left-handed and takes a strike call. Good fastball. Pete Rose, the top of the batting order on deck with one out and one on in the ninth inning, and the Orioles ahead nine to three. McNally ready, and so a uh, ball inside, crowded up around the left. Luke Powell at first base with a left-handed batter up is playing behind the runner. With the Reds down by six runs, he realizes that Helms isn't going anywhere. A one-one pitch coming. Swung on and looped down the left field line and twisting foul in the field boxes. Two strikes, the ball to climb. Well, the first three World Series games have drawn better than 51,000. Both games at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati were capacity 51,531. Today, 51,773. Here's the one and two pitch for McNally to climb. Luke foul again, back a third, not a play. Gary Nolan and Jim Palmer are the starting pitchers for tomorrow, unless a change is made by one of the two managers. At the present time, that's the names announced. Klein takes a breaking pitch low, and it's two balls, two strikes. like this certainly will be in the driver's seat about pitching. Klein lines one, a short hopper, up with the second baseman, over the second out, no relay. A short hop, low liner, hit right off the end of the bat, that Johnson reached down around his shoe top and short hopped the ball. And really, he had Tommy Helms to sort of between a rock and a hard place. He didn't know which way to go. He, uh, if he'd have caught the ball, Helms, I think, would have been doubled up easily at first base. So the fourth out puts two down and leaves it up to Pete Rose as to whether the third game will continue or not. Rose, which hitter batting right, is two for four today. Batted in a run with a single in the seventh inning. Klein leads at first. Rose takes the curve low. Ball one. Pete Rickard and Eddie Watt are throwing in the Baltimore bullpen in case McNally needs help. But right now, he doesn't need any. Rose waiting. The pitch comes, and he swings at the ground ball to short. Up with it, Belanger, over to Johnson. That ends the third game of the series. In the ninth inning for the Reds, no run, one hit, and one man left off. And so Baltimore wins it 9-3. to three. Final scores, Jim said, of this third game, 9-3 Baltimore for Cincinnati. And we'll be back with the highlights of today's game in just a moment.